Hebrews 10. It's on the screen for you. You can, you can see it there. Uh, and it says this, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. All right, now let me just put your mind at ease before you start. This is not going to be a bashing about you being in, in church for every service, all right? And actually studying these verses, I mean, that's in there. Obviously, you being in church is in there, but it's much deeper and much richer than that. We're going to look at, we're going to tease our way through it this morning. See, it's easy for us to focus on the idea of being in church and not to focus on what we're supposed to do when we're in church. It's easy for us to come to the place where we're actually looking at uh, just the showing up, just the being present without actually understanding that there's much more involved in church and in the body life of a church than just showing up for the services. Because, you know what, I think by nature we're we're box checkers. By nature, you know, if you tell us to do something, we want to do it, get it done, and get it over with. And we can miss the heart of the matter so very easily. Isn't that what Jesus is constantly going after uh, the disciples and the Pharisees and everybody about that their hearts are not there. And I think for us, it's easy for us, not, for our hearts not to be in it, for us not to realize the truth and the reality. So we're not just going to bash it as far as being in church every service. We're going to actually speak this morning uh, about what we're supposed to do when we're in church. All right, so let's have a word of prayer. Father, would you bless us this morning as we look to you? Lord, we need your help. Lord, we're not able in and of ourselves, Lord, to grasp truth. And Lord, we do live uh, in a culture that's very far uh, from from the culture, Lord, that even many of us were raised in, Lord. Uh, we live in a culture that's so much busier. And, 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 and Lord, it's very easy for us just to become box checkers as far as church is concerned. Lord, would you help us today? Would you just put your hand upon us? Uh, would you speak to us and help us? In Jesus' precious name, amen. Let me read you the context of what we're saying here. Uh, It's the passage that we looked at last week, right? Reading from verse 19 of chapter um, 10. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Last week we talked about the holiest of holies, the holy of holies, and about us being able to enter into that, and about Jesus having made it possible for us. In other words, listen, based on the blood of Jesus, based upon what he did, you're in, you're safe, you're drawn into the innermost, you're in a place that the Old Testament priests could only hope to go once a year, the high priest once a year. The rest of the, uh, of the nation couldn't go there. The world certainly couldn't go there. They couldn't go near it. But you know what? You've been invited into a place. And remember, the, the writer of Hebrews is, is, is dealing with the people that are weary, worn out, fed up with the suffering, and they're looking to turn back. They're looking to go back to their old ways. They're looking to go back to their Jewish faith. And the writer is encouraging them, telling them, listen, you have much more than they had. Why would you go back? 
Why would you go back? Why would you give up all that you have and go back to the old way? And he says the same to us too. But you know, the reality is that people do go back, don't they? People do fall away. People do go back. People give in, give up, yield, uh, and walk away. And they, and, and they do it regularly. And you know, what he's going to say now in these two verses that we're looking at today uh, is going to be a great help to us personally in not going back. But not just that, a great help to us in helping other people not to go back. Because we're a living organism. We're a, a body. We're not an institution as such. Uh, we're certainly, certainly not a spectator club where, you know, you come to see me um, <clears throat> speak. We're, we're, we're a living body that's supposed to interact with each other and have an impact upon each other's lives. That's what we're supposed, that's what church, I mean, you won't find anything different than that in the New Testament as far as church life is concerned. It's a group of people that have come together and are deeply involved in each other's lives. So in order for us to be what the church is called to be, this called out assembly of believers, we're not talking about buildings. Buildings just house the church. We're talking about the reality of what's going on uh, between us, the reality of what's actually taking place in the church. Now, if that's healthy, we keep people and we grow. And if that's not healthy, we lose people and we diminish. Yeah, because if you look at the, uh, the Great Commission, you know, Jesus called the disciples together uh, and he told them to go and preach the gospel. And really, if you look at that passage in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus doesn't allow for the possibility of failure. Now, everybody was never going to get saved and he knew that. But he knew that the church was going to grow and that people were going to get saved and that the work was going to go forward. That was just the way it was going to be. That's the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be reaching people. We're supposed to be seeing people saved. I think we're supposed to be seeing other churches planted. I think we're we're, we're supposed to see great and exciting things happen. I don't think um, that Pentecost is over in the sense that the power of the Spirit uh, is any less today than it was then. But I think that there are some things in our lives that, that really fight against, that war against it. Of course, the enemy's clever. Wouldn't he just do that? So I want to give you just four principles that we're finding here uh, in our passage that we need to actually look at. Right? The first principle, and I think, by the way, this is the dominant one in this passage that we're reading. Not the not forsaking uh, uh, the assembling of yourselves together, but this one. Consider one another. We're to consider one another. Right? Now, it's very easy for us to slip into the place <coughs> where we come to church And we come to church with the idea of, okay, I need to get something from God to help me through the week. I need to get a message. I need to get a word from God and that that will help me uh, through the week that will enable me uh, to just hang in there. But that's not what it's talking about here. It's talking about you're in, in what we just read. You're in the Holy of Holies. You're in that close, intimate relationship with God. And based on that, you're supposed to consider one another. Now, what does it mean to consider one another? Well, uh, it means to take careful note of each other's spiritual welfare. Uh, It means attentive, continuous care. Let us regard the welfare of others so as to endeavor to excite them to persevere in the Christian life. Now, remember, that's the context this, this, this is written in. You've got these people that are falling away, that are just, they can't, they can't cope with it anymore. They're being persecuted. Their families are after them. And they're falling away. They're going back to the old way. And the writer is saying, now look, 
you got something much better. And he goes, boom, boom, boom. And we've, we've looked at all those things. And then, and now, now he says, now, now consider one another. Do you realize that you have a part in helping people to be involved and stay involved as far as church is concerned? You say, me? I'm, I'm just a church member. I just, I just come. No, you have a part to play. You have a part to play on a Sunday morning throughout the week because we're an assembly of people that actually are supposed to care about each other. Remember, we've talked about this several times. The, the, the mark of a, uh, of a Christian, the mark of Christians is to be love one for another. The mark of Christians is to be the bond that's between us. The, the, the mark of believers is that we, we have a unity amongst us that, <clears throat> that, um, that, is, that the world can look at and say, what is it with those people? They love each other. That's, that's the mark. That's, that's what's supposed to mark us, not our doctrine, not our buildings, not the things that we normally think of, but the fact that there's a... So there's supposed to be a care one for another within the church. Now, again, I, I don't think we're absolutely dreadful at this. I just think we need to be careful of this. This is, this is important. This is not just something that's kind of a by the way. This is something that's integral as far as the Bible is concerned, to the local church. Now, we talk about some of the things that go against that uh, in our day and age. <clears throat> but we're supposed to have care one for another. In fact, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 25 says this, that there should be no schism, no division in the body, but that all the members should have the same care one for another, so that all of us are to care for each other. That's what it's saying. Uh, the next verse, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. We're supposed to have the care, same care one for another. We're supposed to rejoice uh, when somebody uh, is blessed, and we're supposed to uh, suffer with somebody when they, when they suffer. The, the church is supposed to be a living body, watching out for each other and looking out for each other and taking care of each other. That's what we're supposed to be. It's not a spectator sport. It's a consider one another. So when we come to church on a Sunday morning, we're supposed to come not, not, not with a prying, judgmental spirit where we're criticizing everybody, but with a caring, considering spirit where we're looking for who needs help today? Who needs help? And maybe, you know, you can reach out a hand and encourage somebody, and maybe uh, all you can do for that person is pray for that person, but that you're looking around and you're saying, who needs help today? <clears throat> who needs encouragement today? Who, who needs to be blessed today? Now, we're busy, aren't we? We're all busy, right? And, you know, for the most part, you know, frantically, uh, you got yourself together this morning and you uh, got yourself dressed and you got yourself out the door and you jumped in the car and you came to church and you made it. <sighs> yeah, that's how it feels, isn't it? Uh, you, just, you, just, you just got there. Right? And so, so you get to church, and now you, you, you're going to sing the, the hymns, and you're going to listen to the preaching, and we can forget the ministry we have to each other. We can forget. You know, it's interesting that Paul did not, the writer of Hebrews, did not say uh, to these people that, were, that were, were falling away from the church, you know what you need? You need better preachers in the church. He doesn't say that. He doesn't tell them, you know what you need? You need bigger buildings. He says, consider one another. Start looking out for one another. Start watching out for one another. Start caring for one another. And, and you know, that's what we need to do. Now, now, what are the problems with that? Well, first, we're busy. Second, we're, 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 we're very independent, aren't we? I don't need your help. 
I'm, I'm just going to work my own life and do my own, do, do my own thing. But, but isn't that a facade? We're really not that independent, are we? You know, we're not as big and bold and strong as we, think we, as we like to make people think we are. In fact, you know, we often come uh, with hearts that are heavy and hearts that are burdened and with needs and with burdens uh, that, that, that we could do with help with. And we're supposed to consider one another. We're supposed to watch out for one another. We're supposed to have a heart and care for one another. You know, <clears throat> we're so busy and we're so independent of each other that it makes it harder for us to do these things. Also, you know, we live in a, in a very strange world where we don't connect very often with other people. I read a story uh, just yesterday. It was fascinating to me, right? Uh, but, but, but a guy was talking about a hurricane that, that came to Florida, right? And he said, it, it took a hurricane to blow all our fences down so that we could meet our neighbors. Now, we know that one, don't we? It took the snow before we could actually meet our neighbors. You know, and you ended up meet, meeting somebody that you've lived beside for 10 years, and you, you, you hardly knew their name, but the snow actually got you out there, and you had a shovel in your hand, and they had a shovel in their hand, and, and you know, you actually got to know. That's the kind of world we live in. Yeah, we got instant access. We got, uh, you know, everything on stream, online, and everything. Go, and we can live our lives without connection at all, but we just don't do very well with it. We need connection. We need community. We need other people. We need to know that we matter to somebody. We need to know that somebody cares. And, you know, the church for a believer is supposed to be the central place where that happens. I'm not dis- dismissing the family. I'm not dismissing the other places in your life where people care about you and watch out for you. But the church is supposed to be that place where people care for you and watch out for you. And you see... <coughs> We've got to get over the busyness, and we've got to get over the independence. We've got to come to the place where, you know what? I need people in my life. I want people in my life. I'm, I'm prepared to actually open up and let people be in my life. And that's a decision that we have to make. But, but we need to actually let people into our lives. We need to consider one another. That's big. That's real. And... <clears throat> Let me say this. It's very easy for you to get off on the wrong side of this, too. Yeah, Pastor, you're right. People don't consider me. People don't watch out for me. People, no, nobody, nobody here cares about me. It's very easy. For you. That's not what it's saying. It's telling you to consider one another. The, see, the command is always to me. The command is never uh, to the person uh, who's supposed to do for me. And that, the Bible is fascinating the way it does that, right? Uh, it tells wives to submit to their husbands. Never tells husbands, force your wives to submit. It just never does. It says, husbands, love your wives. It never tells wives uh, to force their husbands to love them. And yet, what happens in our marriages so often, right? Uh, Somebody's saying, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. When we're supposed to do what we're supposed to do, and you know what? The rest works out. So when it comes as far as the church is concerned, consider one another. Consider one another. Come to church on a Sunday morning. Come to church regularly. And, 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 and do it at times when there's not even church, but consider one another. You know, I think so, such and such a person's having a, having a problem. They're having a difficulty. I, I, I want to be a help to them. I want to be a blessing to them. I want to reach out to them in that. I, you know, I want to come alongside them. I, I, I want at least to make them, let them know that I'm praying for them. 
but consider one another. That's the first thing. It's very simple. It's very deep, and it's really integral to the passage here. We're supposed to consider one another. We're supposed to watch out for one another. We're supposed to look to one another. Now, <clears throat> consider one another what? To provoke one another. Okay, now normally when we talk about provoking, we, 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 we talk about somebody provoking to anger, don't we? And provoking is kind of one of those things that's not a good, uh, a good thing in our mind. But no, this provoking is to provoke unto love and good works. So we're to consider one another and we're to provoke one another to incite or to <clears throat> stir each other up to love and to good works. Now, how do you do that? How are you going to do that? Let me give you three ways, I think. By your example. By your example. You know what? If you are being the Christian you should be, and I'm being the Christian I should be, you know what? Other people are going to see the love in us. They're going to see us reaching out to other people, and they're going to be provoked by our example. Every organization has a culture. It doesn't matter what kind of an organization it is. It has a culture. The culture in the church is supposed to be one of love. But how do you learn that? You see it. You see it. It becomes real. It becomes a loving place to you. And you see it. And then it becomes kind of odd not to be loving. It becomes odd for you not to actually reach out to somebody. It becomes odd for you to be mean and critical and harsh. But what you do is you, you love. And when you love, other people come in and they see the love. Do, do, do you know that, that the culture of the church is often what guides it? And that's what new people coming in see. They see the culture of the church. They see what you do. They see what I do. And um, they think, oh, that's what Christians do. And that's what they do too. So here's a question for you. Are you loving? And if you are, would anybody know? Because it's kind of important that you know, isn't it? That people know. Are you loving? Is that for you? So by your example, then by exhortation. Sometimes you can encourage people. By, we'll talk a bit more about that at the end by exhorting them, encouraging them. And, and, and then by you seeing the needs around you. By you looking around the church and seeing needs. See, if you come, you know, as your independent, busy individual, and um, you come to check the box and be in church and, and do what you know you should do and get something to help you through the week, and you come without considering one another, you know what's likely to happen? You're not going to provoke anybody to love and good works. You're just going to do your thing and be gone. And there's a bunch of needs. There's always a bunch of needs where there's people. There's always people that are hurting. And, and he says, now consider one another to provoke one another to love and good works. Provoke, provoke by example. Provoke by exor- exhortation. And, and then just notice the needs around you. Come with a heart to see the needs around you. And then, <clears throat> number three, uh, he says, meet with one another. Now, I realize in the, in the verse says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. And there's a double negative in there. But what it means is it means doesn't continue meeting together. Continue coming together. Continue being involved. Now, it's not just dealing with our church services either. I think it's bigger than that. I think, yes, we need to meet together as a church, and there are going to be those set times when we meet together as a church. But I think if you were to take the pattern from the New Testament church, uh, they were meeting together all the time. It wasn't a set church service as such, but they were meeting together. They were coming together. They were helping each other, encouraging each other. <clears throat> they needed each other. They were on hostile ground. They'd just crucified Jesus, and you know what? They, they needed each other, so they were coming together a lot. 
They were spending a lot of time hanging out together uh, and encouraging each other. And, you know, I, that, that's what our pastor's talking about. It's talking about more than just coming to church on a Sunday morning. It's talking about us meeting together, us spending time together. Now, <clears throat> it doesn't allow for the modern consumer mentality. And let me explain to you what I mean by that. A consumer mentality is, you know, I go to a certain shop because that shop delivers what I want at a, regular, at a, at a reasonable price to me. I, you know, they give me what I want, they give it to me in the way I want, and they give it to me at a price I want, so I go to that shop. Right? Now, if they jack up the prices, uh, I might go to another shop. Because I have absolutely no loyalty uh, to the shop. The shop is just about serving me. I'm a consumer. They're a vendor, and that's the way it works. That's reasonable with shops. Right? They've got to watch all those things. Church is not like that, though. But sometimes, particularly in our day and age, we can make it like that, can't we? It's a consumer. <clears throat> we become consumers, uh, and here's the deal. <clears throat> I'm coming here to get what I need, and if I'm not getting what I need, I'm going somewhere else. Right? Now, look, I think you should be fed in your church. I think you should be blessed in your church. I think that's important. I think, you know, you, you, you kind of need to be aware of those things. Uh, but, you know, we can so easily develop the attitude of, I go because I get what I want there, and if they don't give me what I want, then I'll go somewhere else. And that's the mentality so often uh, in our world today. Isn't that the mentality in marriage? <clears throat> Isn't it a consumer mentality very much, in, very often in marriage? I'm married, and I'm going to stay married as long as the other person is giving me what I deserve. As long as the other person is, uh, <clears throat> is taking care of my needs, and, you know, <clears throat> if I don't feel the love anymore, I'm out of here. That's a totally foreign philosophy to the Bible, but to humanity. <laughs> through the ages, too. You know, marriage is, a, is an unbreakable relationship. It's a relationship you're supposed to get involved in, and you stay no matter what. Right? <clears throat> so the idea of a consumer mentality is very much part of where we're at today. But you know what? <clears throat> the church is not supposed to be like that. See, if, if, if we're just consumers, what happens is we end up short-circuiting what we're talking about. We're not ministering one to another. another. We're not reaching out to each other and helping one another. We're just coming for what we can get out of it. And, and it's not supposed to be that. It's not supposed to be a consumer mentality. Now, I think there are great benefits to you coming to church. By the way, and I'm not getting on you. I'm not, I understand. Everybody's got their own life to live and their own decisions and their own choices to make, right? But, but let me tell you uh, about, we have three services a week. All three of the services are different. There's different teaching going on. They're, 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 they're different to each other, right? And if you were to come to all three services a week, let me give you just three of the benefits I've seen from my life. And again, I am not pressuring you. I understand you've got to make your own, your own calls about this, right? First thing, <clears throat> if you come to three services a week, you learn a lot of Bible. I was 18 months saved when I went to Bible college and I was amazed in the early classes in Bible college how much I'd already learned because I'd gotten in the habit of coming and being under the teaching. And Pastor Zemeski was a very good teacher. I was amazed how much Bible I had just internalized that had just become my understanding because I was there three times a week with this, with this teaching that was going down. You know, if, if, if you can be in church three times a week, you're going to get helped. You're going to learn a lot of Bible. You're going to, you're going to learn uh, more things than, than, than you can imagine. And, you know, you, you might not be able to regurgitate what you heard last Wednesday night. 
you know, give it back verbatim. But you know what happens with truth? Truth goes in and it builds you up. It's kind of like food. I have no idea uh, what I had for dinner last Monday. Now, if I thought about it, I might actually work it up. I certainly have no idea what I ate the Monday before that. I'm sure I ate dinner because that's pretty important to me. Uh, But I have no idea what I ate. Now, here's the thing. You know what? It nourished me and it helped me. And when you're in church and you're under the word of God, it nourishes you and it helps you. And you find yourself getting built up in wisdom and in truth because you're just under the word. Another thing that will happen for you, you'll be challenged to go deeper with the Lord. That's what's going to happen to you when you're in the service. It's going to happen all the time. You're going to get challenged to go deeper with the Lord. Do you know, (coughs) it's very easy for us to be superficial, isn't it? It's very easy for us to live on on, 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 on the fringes of Christianity. And yes, we come to church, and yes, we're, we're involved, and yes, we're believers, and yes, you know, we know we're going to heaven and, and, and all this, but, but we can kind of skim along on the surface. Now, I'm not saying the only way for you to go deeper with God is for you to come to three services a week. But I, I'll tell you this for sure. If Sunday morning is the only thing you're getting spiritually, and you're not feeding yourself during the week, and you're not listening and reading and seeking, I'm telling you, you're going to be a superficial Christian. Because an hour and a half on a Sunday morning just is not enough to take you deep. And listen, there are so great riches for you and I to enjoy in Christ. I said, what a shame for us to live on the surfaces of it. One of the things that will happen in your church, you'll be challenged to go deeper with God. Third thing that will happen is church people become your friends. Now, I'm very aware of this from from the uh, addictions ministry. Because, you know, one of the things that happens in in addiction is you develop all the wrong friends. And here's the thing. If somebody comes through New Hope and goes through the program and learns all the right things and learns to do all the right things, but they go out to the wrong friends, what happens is they end up getting drawn back into the old race. That's just what happens. Now, that's not because they're weak and they're bad. That's because they're social creatures like all the rest of us. Do you know that I need to be around the right kind of people to actually live the right kind of life? If I'm around the wrong kind of people, I'm going to live the wrong kind of life. Do you, do you know that? That if, that if you're around people that are cursing all the time, unless you make a conscious decision that you're not going to, you'll get drawn into it. That's because you're a social creature. You just get drawn into those things. Now, here's the thing. But when you make church the center for yourself, what happens is you end up developing developing friendships, the right kind of friendships, people that are going to actually help you and encourage you to live in the right way. So it's important to us, this, this idea, <clears throat> you know, of forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together. It's not, listen, you need to be in church for every service. It's not that, but you know what? There are benefits to you making your mindset to actually be involved in the church and be a part of it and be here. And I, I, I understand. Everybody can't be. I understand. I understand that. But uh, d- d- don't miss out on the realities uh, of the benefits that you can find for being in church, right? <clears throat> but <clears throat> it is speaking to us about uh, people mainly who give up coming to public worship. That's what it's really speaking about. They give up. They get fed up. They give up. Now, why would you give up coming to public worship? Now, obviously, you're here this morning, so I'm not talking to you unless some of these thoughts are going through your head, and then I am speaking to you, right? But why would you give up coming to public worship? And look, I understand there are times when people need, need to leave a church and go to another church. I understand that. Like, that happens. Right? It should be for good reasons, though. Uh, I understand that. I, I understand there are times when people just can't get to church. But you know what? There are times when people just give up, aren't there? 
You know some of those people. I know some of those people. If we had all the people uh, that have come to LifeGate, been saved, and at least begun to grow in church, we would not be able to fit them in this building. Why'd they give up? Why'd they fall away? Listen, the whole letter to the Hebrews is written to help people like that. It's written to help people from doing that. So let me give you some of the reasons I thought through. Uh, As far as why people give up public worship, get too busy. Do you ever feel like you're just too busy? Like, you know, listen, you're busy all week, you're, you're flying, chasing your tail all week, and then it comes to Sunday morning, and I am just too busy. I need a rest. I need Sunday to be my day. That's the greatest lie I've ever, by the way. Uh, the day of rest is not spent in bed, biblically. Right? <clears throat> the day of rest is a day that's different to all the other days. It's a day when you worship God. Right? <clears throat> it's not the idea you don't need bed, but we get too busy, don't we? Now, if you're getting so busy that you feel like you can't go to church, you don't need to change church. You need to change something else so that you actually have time to be in church. You need to make... Listen, I realize your life can get too busy. I realize the calls upon you can be great, but you know, don't get too busy for church. You need it. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. (coughs) Another reason why people stop coming to church is because they have a problem with somebody. Somebody offended them, somebody hurt them, and, um, you know, they're not going back to that church, and, and sometimes they're not going anywhere. By the way, it's a real bad idea for you to hop from church to church because you get offended, because I'll tell you, wherever you have people, you have offense. Wherever you have group. You know what? <clears throat> the command is to love. The power is the Spirit of God. Uh, it's not loving every, everybody because they're so lovable. You're going to have a hard time, but you know what? When you love people that you're finding difficulty with, You'll grow. Oh, you'll grow because you have to depend upon God then. That's not in you to do. Oftentimes what happens, though, is we get a problem with somebody, so we'll go somewhere else or nowhere else because we have a problem with somebody. Sometimes it's because convicted by the word. Now, this one I kind of like because, you know, if you're living in sin and doing wrong and you're coming to church, you should be getting convicted by the word. You should be, actually, the, the Word of God should be speaking to, in you, to you in a way that's making you feel uncomfortable. Now, here's often what people do. It's a pastor. He's getting after me. I promise you, I don't. I don't know what you're doing. Uh, and even if I did, I wouldn't go after you like that because that's just always a mess. But you know what? You'll feel sometimes like the Word of God is going after you because you're living wrong and doing wrong. And, you know, <clears throat> the answer is not for you to stop coming to church. You know the answer, don't you? The answer is for you to get it right. The answer is for you to get right with God and get your relationship back with God. Don't, don't let something like that, don't let the enemy take a wedge called sin and drive it between you and your church and you and your Lord and put you off out there in left field on your own. He's clever. He'll do it if you let him. If you give him a chance, he'll do it. I guarantee you he'll do it. Don't let him do it. You know, look, if there's something between you and God, get it right, and I guarantee you. You know, <clears throat> you, you may feel like the message is going after you today because there's something wrong between you and God. You get it right with God, and I'll tell you, next week the message will seem completely different to you. Right? <clears throat> because you're not in a place where you're afraid of God anymore. You're in a place where you're, you're welcoming God to speak to you in the situation. Right? <clears throat> Sometimes we just get weary, don't we? We just get tired. We get tired of the fight. I think the enemy loves that. I think he watches us and he knows when to put an extra bit of pressure on. He just, he just wants to get weary. 
Let me, let me just beat them down and fight them and, and cause trouble and cause difficulties. And, you know, maybe I can just get them away from the Lord. Because remember, he's a roaring lion roaming about seeking whom he may devour. And he wants to get you separated out from the flock. He wants to get you separated out from church. He wants to get you in a place where, you know what? <clears throat> You're easy pickings for him. That's what he wants. And he's good at it. And he gets you weary, and you begin to fall away. And all of a sudden, you're one of those people, yeah, I used to go to church. Haven't been in a long time, though. I, I must get back there. I'm not, I, that's, isn't that what people always say? I, I must go back. Yeah, well, don't let the enemy get you weary and wear you down. Listen, <clears throat> when he goes after you trying to make you weary, you need to get closer to the Lord Jesus. That's what you need, because you're in danger. You need to get closer. Another one I've heard is, <clears throat> don't need anyone to teach me. I can, I can learn all by myself. Now, <clears throat> look, the Word of God does say uh, that you won't need any teacher, that the Spirit of God will teach you. But you know what? The Word of God also says you're supposed to be in church. You're supposed to be part of the fellowship. You're supposed to love one another. You're supposed to be together. Is there a contradiction there? No. Do you know, listen, I can preach my heart out, and I guarantee you, if we could actually work out on any particular Sunday morning, because I I hear this constantly, people will say, yeah, I learned that uh, when you were preaching, and I'm racking my mind to think, what what did I say about that? Because I can't remember having said anything about that. You know, the Holy Spirit's always teaching us. The Holy Spirit takes it and individualizes it and makes it for you. He's not saying you don't need to be with other believers. He's not saying you don't need the teaching of the Word. He's not saying, you know, you should go off on a mountain and be close to God by yourself. I guarantee you, you won't. First of all, you won't go to the mountain because it'll be raining someday. And um, secondly, even if you do go, you you, you won't go for the reason of being closer to God because this is what God wants you to do. This is not everything God wants you to do, but it's one of the things God wants you to do. He wants you to be in church. I think sometimes people uh, get bored. They just get bored. Doing the same thing over and over again. Why am I doing it? I talked to one person, and, and she actually drove to church one day, and she, th- she thought to herself, why am I doing this? And so she turned and drove away, and she's never been back since. Now, I don't think this is a problem with the church. I think she just got bored. You wouldn't get bored doing the same thing all the time. But do, do, do you know when we get bored? We get bored when we're not really involved. When we're just going through the motions. When we're just doing it for the sake of doing it. When we're not coming and getting involved, when we're not coming and considering other people, when we're not coming with a heart to, uh, to bless and to be a part of, we're just coming. Because, you know, <clears throat> we're checking the box. Checking the box gets bored. I, I was raised in a whole different church from this. I was a box checker, and I was an expert box checker. You could do 20 minutes, and you could come in late, and you could leave early, and you could check the box. You know what? It's not surprising that I stopped going after a while. Because I was bored. It meant nothing to me. I wasn't involved. You need to get involved as far as the church is concerned. God God has work for you to do and work he wants to do through you uh, in the church. And being bored uh, is something the enemy will use against you. Just get deeper. Uh, uh, Number seven, I think people can feel sometimes like they don't belong. You ever feel that? I don't belong in that place. And I think the enemy will do that to you. But I think this is where the the ministry of the body where when we decide to actually consider one another and look out for one another actually can change that. Because, you know, you might have somebody sitting near you today uh, who's feeling like, I don't belong there. 
And the Spirit of God will say, you know, you need to draw near to that person. But, you know, if you're not looking for that, it, it hardly ever happens. But the Spirit of God, and you know, you can actually be one of the things in somebody's life that actually helps them, that draws them in. Because, you know, we all want to matter. We all want to be part of something. We all want to be involved in that sense. And sometimes when people feel like they don't belong, they just fall away. One last one. Sometimes people don't feel worthy. Now, you know what addresses that? The passage that we looked at last week. Are you worthy? No. Are you in? If you're born again by faith in Jesus Christ, you're in. You're invited into the Holy of Holies. You're, listen, are you perfect? No, you're not going to ever be perfect this side, of, this side of glory. But he brings you in. He says, you're mine. Come on in. Come on in and enjoy my company. Come on in and enjoy my presence. And listen, if you're good enough for the Lord Jesus Christ, I think you're good enough for the people around you too. By the way, <clears throat> something that, minute, that, that, that actually makes that tough for people is when we pretend we're more than we really are. Because you know what? Everybody in this room is a sinner. And without Jesus, that's all we'd be. But because of Jesus, he's done a whole lot in our lives. <clears throat> read recently somebody put it this way. He said, <clears throat> I am such a sinner that Jesus had to die for me. But he loved me so much, and I don't know why, that he did it willingly. You know, I'm in. You're in. We're all on the same level here. There's, there's no higher echelons of Christianity. And so be careful that you're not putting across the idea that you got it all together and they don't, because that's just not true. Listen, if you're walking with God, things will be together in your life, but it's because of him. It's not because of you. And so don't make other people feel bad because they're, they're not there. It's, it's, it's all him in the end. It's not you. It's not me. It's, it's all him. See, <clears throat> the thing about it is there's so many things that will pull us out from the assembly of believers. There's so many things that will pull us out from church. And, you know, the enemy knows them all, and he'll, he'll work them all on us. But you know what happens when we get pulled out? We're like the coal. You know the old illustration of the coal? You've got the coal in the fire, and the coal in the fire is burning bright, and all the coals together will be red hot, and it's thrown out a lot of heat, and it's wonderful. But if you reach in and take one of those red hot coals and drop it on the hearth all by itself, in a few minutes it's just a black piece of coal again. And it loses its heat. It loses its fire. It stops being what it can be. And you know what? When we're not functioning as a church, when we're not functioning and involved in each, other, involved in each other's lives and assembling together and being together and encouraging each other and all the rest of it, you know what happens? You get drawn off. What the enemy does is he just listens. He just puts the light out in your life. And you see, that's what he wants because you're the light of the world. You're the ones that actually show the world what truth and light is. And you say, not me, I'm not that clever. Listen, it's not about being clever. You know the truth. He's a person. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you walk in this world and speak your truth and live your truth, the world gets to see light. And when you don't, it doesn't. Those people around you that you're a light to, they don't get to see it. And you see, the enemy wants to do that in your life. He wants to pull you out from uh, 
the assembly of believers from the church, much bigger than just meeting on a Sunday morning, and he wants to get you off in left field all by yourself and let your ember die. Don't let him do it. Don't give in to him. Are there problems in the church? Always. Where there are people, there are problems. Always. Don't let the enemy steal what God has for you. You know, stay in there. Draw close. Dig in deep. Start learning to consider one another. Start looking, how can I actually provoke somebody else to love and good works? And then finally, and we're done, exhort one another. Now, this word exhort is an interesting word. It's a word that we find uh, about the Holy Spirit. It's parakaleo. It's to come alongside. Exhort one another. So you're to come alongside and encourage one another. Now, you know, that takes courage. And that takes, that, that takes faith on your part, and that takes courage. But you know what? <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised if there's somebody that the Spirit of God's putting on your heart right now in this room that actually needs to be exhorted, that he wants you to come alongside, that he wants you to actually exhort. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, man, he'll just think I'm interfering. She'll just think I'm getting in the way. No, you know what? You know what I find in my own life? When, when the Spirit of God speaks and I obey it, it's real. And when the Spirit of God speaks and I don't obey it, it doesn't happen. When the Spirit of God speaks to you about exhorting, encouraging one another, please do it. You say, but I could get it wrong. Of course you could. But you know what? You'll definitely get it wrong if you don't do it. Listen, when the Spirit of God, draw alongside somebody. Encourage somebody else. Help them out. I want you to notice the end of the passage, though. Let me just go back up so you can see it on the screen. Uh, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Do you know what? What I'm saying to you now is actually more important than it was when the author wrote Hebrews. Because you know what? The end is coming. We're, we're definitely closer to it than we were then. We're closer to it by 2,000 years almost than we were then. <clears throat> I don't know whether it's coming tomorrow or when it's coming, but I know we're closer to it. And he says, exhort one another and do it the more as you see the day approaching. Do you know what I think we're supposed to do? I think instead of backing off because the days are dark and the days are evil and everybody's independent and everybody's busy and everybody's got their own things going on, I think we're supposed to actually push forward. I think we're supposed to consider one another provoke one another to love and good works. Keep getting together. And I, we're supposed to exhort one another because it's coming to the end and the enemy's on the rampage and he's doing all the damage he possibly can and he wants to do it to you and he wants to do it to that person beside you. So let the Spirit of God work in your life and let's ask God to help us to be all the church that he wants us to be. Let's stand for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word to us this morning. And Lord, we don't take it lightly. Lord, would you help us? Uh, Lord, we're a a, a group of people called out of the world, but we're individuals. We're, Lord, so independent and we're so busy. But 
blessed spirit of the living God, would you reach down and touch your people today? And Lord, would you show each one what you'd have them to do? Would you help me to lead the church, Lord, in the way I should lead it? But Lord, would you make us all the church that we're supposed to be in this day and age? Lord, may we be a place, Lord, uh, where you as the Lord of the harvest can draw people in and know they'll be taken care of and know they'll be ministered to and know they'll be blessed. Lord, we thank you for all that you have drawn in, but Lord, we ask that you would draw more and that you would do even greater things as we see a day, the day approaching. Now bless your people, Lord. Encourage each heart that's come out here this morning, Lord, and help each one of us, Lord, to be all that we should be, that we might be all the church that we should be. In Jesus' precious name, amen. amen.